Welcome, everyone. My name is Michael S. Sieber. You're listening to Equal Chance to Be Unequal, my podcast about unlocking human potential through helping people disconnect it from their purpose, uncover and live their purpose. Welcome back or welcome to today's episode of Equal Chance to Be Unequal. I am Michael S. Seaver. I am in the business of unlocking human potential and helping people who are disconnected from their purpose uncover and live their purpose. Today's guest is Dr. Christina Compton, and I am just so excited to have her on the show. I happened to meet her just a couple of weeks ago uh, at a healthcare event in Central Phoenix, and we've had many dialogues since and just found a lot of similarities in our thinking and in the things we would like to help society with. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to today's dialogue and discussion with Dr. Christina to talk about some of these things in depth about her journey and about some of the things uh, that she's doing to better societal health. And with that, Dr. Christina, welcome to Equal Chance to Be Unequal. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. I'm I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for your invitation and this opportunity. You are very welcome. Uh, as we go through today's show, I'll share more about your bio with our listeners uh, but what I'd like to do to start off our show is to have you give the audience just a little bit of a background and some context about the life events that helped you to get to the point of creating your business as it stands today. Well, uh, it's it's not there's not been just one defining event or moment that has helped to birth Suelo Health. In in retrospect, I must fully disclose that Suelo is not my program, uh, but rather I feel like I'm more of a conduit in which the program is offered to the clients. I'm a, a naturopathic doctor licensed here in the state of Arizona, and I must admit, I never aspired to be a doctor and can say that the profession actually chose me. And some of the life events, my, my roots are farming and ranching. And I, I bring this up initially Michael, to to just share with you that because of my roots, I organically found a symbiotic relationship with the weather and the plants and the animals and Mother Earth. And I never thought of any of that being outside of myself, but rather I found that it's just part of my cellular memory. And, and, and through those roots, you know, I spent time listening to the wind or feeling the wind around me. And of course, I was raised in northwestern Oklahoma in the high desert. So I had plenty of wind to feel. The, some of the life events that led me, I mean, as part of my DNA with my, my grandmother's being a nurse and another grandmother studying oriental medicine of all things. But the key events that started in retrospect, they, they really built upon themselves and Michael, they built upon themselves in a way that I simply could never have planned or even imagined. And it's only in retrospect that I, I see where I've been and how it's actually built for me today. So one of the first key events, and it is when I, I remember when I was around four years old and I, I fell out of a combine. Uh, we were, my father was cutting wheat um, at night and my mom, my little brother and I were in the combine with him. And when he turned the corner, for some reason, I was standing against the door and it opened. And if anyone knows what a, a combine is during wheat harvest, they'll know that it's a very large uh, piece of equipment. And the, the significance and why I bring that up is I've thought over many decades, I've, I've reflected on those moments to, to grasp what, what was going on and what is the relevance for that event at such an early age for me. 
And only about two years ago, through some uh, meditation and through some, some other work that I was doing, I found the memory opened for me when I, it was pretty amazing. Uh, it was actually not, nothing that I was expecting uh, to, to, to come across. But in that moment, I saw myself falling and it was if I was in slow motion. And I remember being told to open my eyes and I remember opening my eyes. And when I did, I felt like the whole heavens of the stars opened before me. And I, I can say that when people talk about memories of, of the divine or of God or whatever their, their predisposition is, I can now say that that is one of the first memories that I have of being completely embraced by the divine. So I have to share that. <laughs> um, I never had a predisposition nor a calling to be a doctor. You know, sometimes I wish I had, it would maybe have saved me time, but nonetheless, I'm here. Uh, but with, with, when I went through college, it was all about computer programming, management science. And, and what all of that was focused on, Michael, was how to solve very complex business problems. And it was no matter what the industry. So it was about how to think critically and using statistics and using logic and rational models on how to build out a better business. And then I coupled that with industrial psychology. So what this did is the key event here is that it launched me from there. It launched me, again, nothing that I could have planned, into international consulting, re-engineering, rebuilding large businesses. I found myself working in many places around the world, you know, working and remodeling these, these businesses and these corporations to pivot in new directions and, and mapping out and understanding the interrelationships of processes and people and machines and systems. And there was a, there's a level of thinking. And so I know that when people ask me nowadays, what do I specialize in? And I specialize in learning in thinking critically. And to me, it was, it was just this evolution of deepening, like, what are the inner networks, not only with the people, but the interactions of people with machines. So that's, that's one key event. Another personal note, another key event occurred while I was living and working in New Zealand. And a family friend called me totally out of the blue. And his main message to me was, live each day as if it were your last. And, you know, I'm sure you can imagine the rest of the story. But that, that message, Michael, that message has stayed for me for many decades since then. And I can, I can say that it has helped me through times of self-doubt. Uh, for example, when the mainstream was going one way and I was being propelled differently and I didn't understand why, but I was just following. And then, of course, my, my dad at one point early on told me that everyone has an opinion, Chris. However, only those with whom you truly respect are worth consideration. So that's been another of my uh, key events and, and touchstones to, to help me maneuver through this, this process or this journey of life. I, I love that. And so thank you for, for sharing that, Christina. It's when we think about our lives journeys, there are things that we can look back on. And in the moments, we don't always understand what they mean or how they're serving us, like falling out of a combine. I remember when I was young, a little bit older than you, probably seven, eight, nine, I was actually run over by a tractor. Now my legs and it was very soft soil, so I was not hurt. Um, but still a traumatic event that when you go back and you look at it well, in the moment, you just kind of pop back up and, and, and keep going. 
But when you look back on it, being many years older now, you look back and I was like, that was actually a pretty climactic point or moment in my life. And I needed to put more effort into understanding the circumstances surrounding that and how it fit into this overarching narrative of my life. So I love that from a very early age, your life was organizing itself to make you feel as though there was support for you coming from the divine or coming from whatever our listeners believe in, but that you were then being guided to learn very specific skills that ultimately have helped you to get so well of health to where it is from the great things you learned in college to the international consulting, to the friend in New Zealand, reminding you about the power uh, of living each day as it's last. There's a lot of value in that journey and in the patterns across that journey. Would you agree? Absolutely. And have there been other events Absolutely. post the, the friend as comment in New Zealand, have there been other things that have kind of contributed to Soelo being what it is today? Yes. It, it, in a very strange and, and mixed examples, I was thinking about most of the way to, that, you know, like we're communicating now voice to voice, right? And there were, there were many countries when I was consulting in where English was not the first language, such as when I lived and worked in the Middle East, in Iraq, or in different parts of Europe or South America. What I was learning was that communication is much more than just words. In fact, I find sometimes that words actually get in, in the way. And in the business meetings and working with these, they could feel my heart. And if I would get myself into a position or an alignment with having a neutral intention of being present, the, the learning of what was going on was simply organic. And actually, it was necessary given my responsibilities. But it was it was amazing thing. And that's, that's for me, what I find even that is fundamental within what I'm doing now with my clients is sometimes we get so caught up in the words or in the descriptors that we disengage our heads from our hearts. So that's, 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 one, that's one event that, um, that I can contribute to to where I'm at right now with Soella. Oh, I got that's there's so much truth to that and I think the professor at UCLA his name was Albert Mahrabian and through his work he was kind of one of the initial uh, researchers that was determining that only 7% of what a human says is the chosen word, 28% is the tone of his or her voice and 55% of what someone's saying is his or her body language and with all of the travels that you've had when you walk into a dialogue with very balanced energy and there's a very pure intent to learn or to be there in the service of others, I think that that then shows up in your body language or other people around you then sense that and then respond in a far more balanced or collaborative tone. You think the same? Mm, absolutely. And, and what's surprising, Michael, is the work that I'm doing right now with Soelo, it's all virtual. And so the ability to transmit the intention across the video screen is pretty amazing. It's not limited by even having to be face to face. Yeah, I, I love that very much. And, and so this is the, the world that we've moved into is that people tend to think of social media and um, kind of telephony the way that it is now. Like we have this ability to go anywhere in the world virtually very rapidly. And people see the World Wide Web as oftentimes a bad thing because of what social media is doing to people psychologically. But we're forgetting about what you just said, which is that we can now help any person around the world and we can do it virtually. 
And because of your background and training, the, the volume at which you could do it and the impact that you can have is now radically bigger, better, and different. And so I love the fact that you're being given this blessing and this opportunity to help people at scale, but that you also get from, you know, being a consultant, you get efficiency or from traveling to all of these different countries, you get what it takes to encourage a person who is very different than you to continue down his or her path. And you know what to say or do to get them to do that. Or because you can see their body, you can sense their body language and know because of your history, you know what to say or do in that moment to get them to move from point A to point B faster. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of these things are coalescing for you very beautifully. Oh, that's, that's very nice. It's, it's nice to, to hear you say and put it together like that. And so this is, this is wow. my work. Uh, my brain uh, definitely sees patterns really rapidly. I'm not sure why it just does. And so whenever I hear people like you speak, it, it all kind of coalesces for me uh, the same. So for, for our listeners, uh, Dr. Christina is a licensed naturopathic medical doctor, and she has basically three decades of experience. And you've heard her talk a little bit about the international uh, kind of background, but she really does have this unique blend of accomplishment when it comes to international travel, when it comes to doing business internationally, when it comes to international medicine, when it comes to driving results for people. Uh, she has worked closely in the past with the USA's Health and Human Services Division and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. So she's got this really, really cool and unique experience. And from a very early age, she's known that she's been guided and supported. And so now we're moving from all of those experiences and finding the patterns in them to the place of saying, okay, let's take all of these beautiful things and now share them openly with patients or clients. And so obviously anybody who's listening can visit SoelloHealth.com and that's S-O-W-E-L-L-O health.com, SoelloHealth.com. So Christina, would you mind uh, sharing just a little bit about some of the services that you're currently offering to patients because or clients. And when I went to the website and I looked at the services tab of SoelloHealth.com, I was just in love with it. It is so simple and so easy to understand. So could you expand a little bit upon that? Oh, well, thank you for that feedback. Um, simplicity speaks best. And simplicity is never to be regarded as simple-minded, but rather simplicity is a thoughtful and mindful approach given to crystallize a message that is meaningful to an individual. And so the, the services that we offer, Soelo Health, we, we focus on wellness. And if, let me just give some context here, Michael. I, I was listening to what people wanted. I was doing my own market research of you know, asking my patients and clients, you know, what is important to you and why is it important? I was also evaluating and taking into account why were some clients successful and others not? And then more importantly, how did a client even define their own success? So I coupled my experience with understanding what people need 
based upon what they told me and what I observed as well. And it was based upon that culmination that those services were brought forward. And so we really strived for a balanced focus on what is working as well as what needs attention. Because oftentimes I have found that people get so focused in on what is not working that they forget that there's probably 99.9% of the other stuff about them that is working. And so it's basically a balance between, you know, focusing in on destroying disease um, as compared to promoting wellness. So our clients are people who are healthy and want to stay that way, people who have a family history of cancer and want to learn more to prevent or reduce the risk. Uh, that clients also include people who have had cancer, they've gone through conventional standard of care, they've now been declared no evidence of disease, and they're standing there saying, all right, now what? And then the last group is our people or clients that have cancer. So those are the spectrum of clients that we currently work with. And so to meet those needs of those clients, we mindfully created three solutions. And those three solutions are, are on the website. And it's a personalized health evaluation process. Then we go in deeper into a health optimization, working together for uh, uh, three months. And then we continue that evolution into working with health health optimization for six months. So it's there's a deepening. And the reason why it's created like that is because every person obviously is unique. And while I may think that a person might need one approach versus another, what's actually more important is for me to meet a client with where they're at. And so what I found over time is that a choice to an individual is important. And so that's that's the evolution in a little bit about those services. I love it. And so you said a couple of things that that really resonated with me, Christina. Um, I can't remember if it was Peter Drucker or similar, but he used to have a quote, something about hearing what isn't said. And it's in that, that that's where the real power is. And I even wrote down in my notes, the limbic system and people having their amygdala being hijacked, right? Because that happens a number of times, you know, just because of that, that section of the brain going to fight, flight, or freeze whenever they're confronted with some sort of new information or anxiety or nervousness or uh, whatever it is that they're being confronted with in life. And if it's a cancer diagnosis or if it's some other thing that they have, right, they're automatically going to that place of nervousness and anxiety and concern. But but I love this shift in mindset that you would like to instill in the people that are around you instead of focusing in on essentially curing the disease it's really about this preventative focus and on overall wellness, right? It's not the human brain and the amygdala focusing in on what could go wrong and Murphy's law around that. It's more about looking at it from the other side of the perspective to say, actually, you know, there's one area of your life isn't perfect. Uh, it does desire some improvement temporarily, but what's end up going to be happening, right? Is that still 95, 99% of your life as it stands in these other areas is, is identical. And so if we could shift the human brain away from focusing in on uh what isn't going right and the pessimism, we can shift it to this more optimistic approach and saying, hey, all of these other things are going really well. Let's figure out a way to focus in on that. So I love that 
the Soella method is focused in on kind of this holistic approach to the person and not just the one small area of his or her life that's not going well. Oh, yes. And we have so many people around us, I'm sure everyone you can think of, you know, telling us what we're not doing right or we need to be better than. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, I, I, I must share this with you, Michael. One of the, the lessons that came to me prior to the birth of Soella Health was from a former client by the name of Larissa. And anyone who consults with me will see a, a very large oil painting behind my desk. It was her gift to me. And the significance of that, and it goes into listening for what's not said. And her message to me, which I was, I thought was, it was profound. She wanted me to, to be her doctor. And I said, I am not, a, I'm not an expert in that. And I would really like to get you in with this doctor and we could do these lab tests. And she was insistent. And she said, you don't get it. I said, all right, what don't I get? She said, I don't want you to, to do labs. I don't want you to keep me distracted from myself. I said, okay. She said, I want you to create a space so I can find my own home, so I can be safely inside to explore what this message and what this disease is having to say to me. Now, I mean, it was, she wanted me to hold the space. And so when in, in the evolution and the birthing of Soello, we, we take care of the labs. We carry that load for our clients, Michael. At the core of all of that is what we're really doing is we're holding the space for the client so they have the opportunity, if they so choose, to, to go inside themselves, to get back into rhythm with whatever they're, they're experiencing mm. on the inside. That couldn't be more powerful. Um, and I'm so glad that you said it, Christina, because my father, I might have shared this with you when we met in person, and my father back in 1995 was diagnosed with hairy cell leukemia. And I think at that particular point in history, some of the medical practices that you now utilize, or even just the general consciousness or awareness on earth, is very, very different today than what it was back then some 20 years ago. And so I'm very grateful that we have transitioned to the point where people like you get to deliver care in a very different way, or that patients are now... Uh, coming to you with an awareness of their own needs, uh, because I think back in the mid-90s, the, the way that we dealt with traumas in that way was very different. I've worked with a number of clients, and a couple years back, actually facilitated a survey of a handful of them to ask what it was that they appreciated most about me. And they said the exact same thing that the Larissas of the world are telling you, Christina, which is that they just love that someone is there willing to listen and hold space for them. And try to find the patterns in what the things happening in their life are actually telling them about how they can readjust their distribution of time into things that are going to be far more fulfilling and not draining or di disease producing, if you will. And that's powerful. So I believe that the work that, that you're doing in a far more medical context or for me, you know, in a more uh, kind of personal branding context, uh, there are similarities in that one's capacity to be emotionally intelligent and listen actively, uh, that's what's being sought by my clients and your clients and patients. Like it really does matter. And I've been exposed at least a little bit to your industry and some of the work that you do through 
uh, late October 2017, um, I did the 23andMe assessment and was able to download a spreadsheet of my DNA sequence and then gave it uh, to an organization in Boulder, Colorado. And their physicians went through and kind of decoded my DNA and helped to give me a really like in-depth bio-individualized plan, which I know you do. And I am so thankful to have gone through that experience because as I'm learning more about my spiritual journey, I'm also learning more about my genetics and how the environment and epigenetics is affecting my body. And I just love that you're willing to come on Equal Chance to be an equal and talk a little bit about it because there is a deep importance to customized genetic evaluations and you're doing them. And I can only imagine the impact that they're having in on your clients and patients. Could you talk a little bit more about how you do that customized evaluation? Certainly. We are only in the, the very beginning phases of genomic studies. And, and we will continue to, to see the, the lessons and the understanding continue. I know they're doing it like with NextGen. So, however, you know, we want to utilize what is available at this time to really better individualize our clients' needs. So I know that the genomics, they, they do, they give us insight about our, our mitochondrial strengths and weaknesses. And what, what we're doing with the genomics at this point, Michael, is a couple of things. Number one, we don't like to tie people into saying you're your genomics because they can be modified. And there was a study, it was, it was on NPR, and I don't have the reference in front of me quickly. There was a reference about being cautious or mindful that whenever you start into genomic counseling, that there's a level of influence that you may have on an individual. So I like to be very, you know, having it a dialogue uh, to not create a person to become their genomics. And that's what that, that study was on. But the, the way that we're working with the genomics is cross-correlating a client's health condition. And so we, when we take into the genomics, we're also then cross-referencing into blood test results, or maybe there's some specialty lab test results that we've asked them to do. And then, of course, we're looking at the fundamental past medical history or you know environmental exposure, for example. And it is, it is through that multifaceted analysis Analysis and mapping that to me is interdimensional, that we can really pinpoint more closely what kind of support will help this particular client. So, I mean, just, you know, just a very simple example is that vitamin B12 or a B complex, for example, on the surface, a vitamin B complex is a very healthy thing to, to take, right? But it's not necessarily for all clients. And it's, it's through looking at the genomics and looking at the individual SNPs then that we can start pinpointing what kind of nutraceuticals or vitamins or minerals or amino acids are needed. Um, we can also pinpoint if there's a if there's a mineral deficiency, for example, then instead of depending on a person's um, gut biosis or maybe some methylation um, pathways that may be impaired, instead of giving a, a mineral, maybe what we want to do is we want to work more gently and start with food. And so then based upon knowing those things, then we can look at the chemistry of food and say, all right, what particular vegetable, for example, has a particular chemistry that's then going to support this individual in building up right. to support that particular SNP, for example. And I, I believe that that's really where I'm really grateful for the advances in technology and even the, the rise in human consciousness around that, Christina, because uh, I, I use the phrase mass customization a lot more now than I used to before. And I believe it's a, a really important one for all of us, whether 
we mass customize the way that we appreciate our employees, or now we have the capacity through folks like Christina to mass customize uh, diets and exercise and the right food intake or supplements, vitamins, minerals to make sure that you function at your best. And I can't remember who said it, but I heard somebody suggest, and maybe it was just a marketing ploy, but he said that human illness is now optional. And when I heard him say that, you know, at, at first the, the skeptical part of me was like, okay, sure. Uh, you know, because there's too many environmental factors. There's too many other things, but there's also some truth to that, right? We now have the technology and we have very smart people like you who are willing to support other individuals, not only through the things that they need genomically, but also in a more kind of like a spiritual way, if you will. And I think there's a lot of power in that. So do you feel that you're also kind of practicing the, the mass customization, if you will? Well, I, when you say the mass, the mass customization, that may mean something a little bit differently to me than what you're intending. Sure. So when, when I think of that is I think about, you know, a lot of the things that I see or my clients tell me about on social media or other things. And so for me, that means that there's a lot of pop culture around. Let's just take nutrition. That's fairly um, easy. And so there's a lot of, you know, pop culture around, you know, do the ketogenic diet, for example, is, is one that comes to mind that people talk about often. And so for me, that is, that is um, mass population customization. Of course. And so I don't know if that's what you mean, but that's when I think about it, Michael, that's, that's how I'm interpreting. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. The, the, the great thing is now is that with essentially a, a decentralization of technologies, you know, what used to only be available to really large or massive corporations, you know, now all of the tools that we used to only use, you know, because it was so expensive in a major corporation specific, um, you know, employee management tools or specific marketing tools are now, now with a social media and now with so many small businesses starting up, like every person on the planet can be the CEO of their own brand. And, and I think the same thing somewhat applies to folks when it comes to their health is that there's so much technology and data out there and available that every person through all of this uh, information and processes and systems and smart people like you can come together to customize a plan for an individual in a way that really helps them. And so if for that specific individual, a ketogenic diet is the approach that's most valuable for them, yeah, that's customizing it to them. And what I love about this is that there are, there are likely challenges that you're seeing kind of recurrently across your clients and patients, but the, the thing that solves that challenge is customized to the person. Is that fair? Yes, exactly. Right. So do you, do, are you seeing specific patterns then in the challenges that your clients or patients are experiencing? I do. And the beauty is we have so much information that's so readily available, right? And the complementary medicine is we're not lacking in different therapies or in different solutions. One of the, the things that I hear consistently is they're overwhelmed with the information. And then they're, they're genuinely wanting and seeking to do the right thing for themselves, 
but there's there's so much information and so they get lost in the information itself and by doing that they can get overwhelmed sometimes they'll give up or sometimes they're mindlessly throwing money for example at, at some of these treatments um, so I always I, I always ask my clients or new new clients or customers of like so what is your plan? Like, what what is your focus? What is essential given your situation? And so that that to me is is one of those patterns is that people want to do the right thing. They're genuinely seeking to be healthy and keep them or their, their loved ones healthy. They know there's lots of options and they simply are not sure where to start. Or if they have a lot of information, they do not know how to interpret it into a meaningful way back to, to their unique situation. No doubt. Yeah, the the complexity of the work that you do is so profound. And it's just not something that's openly shared or discussed via the media or, you know, traditionally in household to household. And so having an expert like yourself be able to very rapidly uh, diagnose and, and make sense of all of this kind of data that comes from your multifaceted approach makes an awful lot of sense because it gets the person to the point of healing faster. So yeah, a big challenge I can see that you're encountering is that there's so much information out there, people don't know what to do, or they there is a, an inherent desire for them to want to do what's best for their health, but because of all of the information or not knowing what to, to do next, right, they, they then don't take action. And that's where we would like to encourage them to take that action. So are there other challenges that you're seeing, uh, maybe environmental factors, or uh, are there specific illnesses that seem to be popping up recurrently? Oh, yeah. I, I have to share this with you. Wired Magazine just recently reported, like within the last week or maybe so, they reported by 2020, there will be 10 billion, 10 billion connected mobile devices globally. You know, the beautiful thing is for education and the connectivity, it's an exponential increase of, of quick and easy information. From a medical viewpoint, you know, I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking cancer rates are going to exponentially increase. There's the, you know, the, the environmental piece. And I think this is what we'll continue to see as this, you know, particular um, article reported. But we're going to re- continue to see electro electromagnetic field waves disrupting cellular organization. And, and a research article in the Journal of Cancer Therapy last year went into an in-depth evaluation about the impact of this EMF situation into the disruption of those cells. So I, that to me is is one of those patterns. And I believe that this is where we're going to have a dilemma. We're there can be traditionally trained ways of handling disease and those diagnoses. However, with the increase and the exponential increase into, um, like I said, into the mobile devices and what that means, and we'll continue to see these strange and unusual cases a doctor cannot be a technician. We need diagnosticians. And that is the that is the depth and the level of which I see that our medicine will be going into is that we will have to, as a physician, we will have to have enough confidence in ourselves that we will be able to neutrally step out of what we know and to go into the partnership and the relationship with the client to explore what their condition is and to be curious enough to ask questions that we might not normally even have asked in the past. No doubt. I I had not heard the statistic about the 
10 billion connected devices, but I, I knew that it was increasing. I just didn't know the volume at which. And I agree with your assertion that, you know, cancer incidences are going to increase uh, astronomically. And we don't hear about this via the mainstream media, but for everybody listening, this is a really key point for you to hone in on is that the electromagnetic magnetic waves, um, more so from this really big shift that the internet companies are pushing for the move to 5G, that the, the waves are uh, very, very different from what the human body has really ever experienced before. So as 5G rolls out, uh, the, the disruption it's going to cause to your body as a result of the, the EMF or those waves you know, going through your body, uh, it's going to be incredibly profound. And so the closer you live to one of those towers, the more you're going to be impacted. And we tend to, I live in central Phoenix, right? So I see them all over the place, but it's something that you have to be very mindful of, not only for your own body, but for your children and those around you is that the, we just really don't understand the impact on that technology on the human body as of now. And as more, you know, research comes out about it, we'll be able to adjust from there. But that really speaks to what Christina is talking about around hey, when she's taking care of a patient or a client, there's a lot of data that she needs to pull back in and really thoroughly wrap her mind around to help her understand like what's the best recommendation that can be made. And it's going to be amazing to me that, that at some point very soon that the best recommendation that a naturopathic medical doctor could make to somebody would be to like leave their phone at home and go out in nature and sit there for four days. And that, that to me is like a possibility, like those things are coming. So when, when you think about the bio-individualized plan that, you're, that you have through the Sowello method, um, what are kind of the, like the key sections of it so that our listeners really know uh, some of the things that maybe they're not doing for their health right now that they should be introducing or thinking more about? Mm, good question. So to, to keep the components of a plan, so what do we start with? We start with food. And I encourage people to start with food because it is one thing that most people can control, if you will. But very simply, eat local, eat what's in season. I was talking with this about a client just this past week, Michael. We were talking about nutrition and foods and the different types of low fat um, or high fat or low carb, you know, all these different ways. And I, I said, to me, what's fundamentally missing is that we're forgetting to help our clients be so in tuned within themselves that they instinctively, intuitively know what foods are going to best serve them. So for example, it could be interesting for one of the listeners to experiment in a safe way and go to a grocery store and just walk down the walk down the vegetable or fruit aisle and just keep a neutral mind and just take a look as you're looking at the fruits and the vegetables and just sense or feel or hear, or maybe one color looks brighter than the other and simply safely experiment by doing that for yourself. The longest journey is from the head to the heart. And so we're working with the head, if you will, through the analysis and we, we analyze the genomics and we actually send the raw DNA over to one of our endocannabinoid labs to have it run through their algorithm. So we can even bio-individualize more into, you know, cannabis or CBD oil, for example, for our clients. But connected with the head is the heart. And what are those tools and those techniques that we're using 
to help our clients get connected within themselves? And then what are our clients doing for themselves to stay connected to themselves? No doubt. And I think that's the thing that many people will forget is they'll get so busy in the activity of the, their daily routines and the things that they need to accomplish at work and the things that their kids are doing in after school activities that they neglect to take the time for themselves and really have that, uh, those moments of meditation or that, that time out in nature, uh, or just doing things where you're really just present and able to listen to your own thoughts and find patterns in those thoughts. Most people are, as far as I know, are not doing that. Uh, at least the folks that I serve are not doing that well. And so it'd be really great to have that become more a part of everyday discussion uh, worldwide where people are just thinking and talking about these things more so. So when you think about the bio-individualized plan, food is a big part of it. What would you say is number two, three, four in that context, Christina? Oh, great. Uh, so de definitely food. Then also within the plan is lifestyle. So for example, you know, looking at a person's lifestyle, what they can do, um, different tools and techniques. Another thing that we like to look into are other therapies, so there's other complementary therapies such as hyperthermia, for example, or mistletoe or hyperbaric oxygen. So those are some other therapies. And we're always sourcing where can we get those therapies for our clients? Where can our clients get those therapies? Are they, are they part of, of the overall makeup that, um, that the person is presenting? Then another aspect of the bio-individualized plan are nutraceuticals. And the nutraceuticals are the vitamins and the minerals. And again, pinpointing which components of what vitamin or mineral is best suited for the individual. And, and actually sourcing therapeutic grade uh, nutraceuticals for our clients because our commitment, we'd rather our clients spend their their time and their focus in understanding their health condition and taking steps to get themselves into a very healthy state. That's our commitment rather than uh, trying to, you know, give a, a client a lot of nutraceuticals, for example. And then another part of, of what the plan covers is what are some of those additional tests that may be needed? So what, what, what happens, and this is where we meet every person with where they're at. So some of our clients they, they, they do, they do so much research and they're sending research, <laughs> research articles to me. And I'm like, this is terrific. Um, and others on the, uh, are on the opposite end of the spectrum where they are, you know, eating a mac and cheese, but it's a gluten-free mac and cheese. So this it's, it's, there's no judgment in it. The, the point here is what are we doing to create a bio-individualized plan that is going to meet each person with where they're at in their in their understanding of their own health situation. And so in order to do that, I mean, for example, I have one particular client. He is knee deep into doing all these different therapies and, and putting things together for himself. What do we do with his bio-individualized plan, for example? Well, his bio-individualized plan is very simple. And it's simple because what we're finding is that he was doing so much that nothing was being done well. And more importantly, there was no connection with what he was doing with the therapy that was that he was, was undergoing. So to me, this is an important point, is that more is not necessarily better. And I completely agree. And so I am, I'm certified on a number of personality inventories and assessments. And 
there are certain communication styles and behavioral preferences that love to take action. And they believe that taking more action is going to solve uh, their concerns or issues. And then, of course, the opposite style, a little bit more introverted, those folks who don't take enough action. So for you and me, it sounds like we have similar uh, functions in this capacity is that sometimes convincing an individual that as much action as they're taking is not actually serving them. It's not actually getting them the intended result. It's part of our work. It's to kind of pull uh, the veil back and say, hey, as a result of you doing all of these things, here's the actual outcome. But if you would just take these three things out and introduce this one new thing, it might be the actual thing that triggers the result you desire. And But having the data that you have, Christina, is so important because it's easier for a client or patient to be bought into what you're saying because it's highly individualized to him or her. And then being able to have the confidence to act on that, I think, is everything. Do you find that the, the folks you're serving feel that sense of confidence and peace and trust to be able to take action? Or how does that end up working out? Because I get pushback from some of the folks that I serve who are unwilling to do some of the work because it's pretty different from stuff that they've done before. Is that something you've had to work through too? Yeah, it, very, very good. Yes. So for example, the, the young, the young gentleman that I was just illustrating, <laughs> he looked at me or, you know, he, he was like, Dr. C, you're telling me not to do this. And I said, yes, sir. That's right. He said, because you know that I want to do more of it. I said, you got it. And he said, well, you're right. I said, okay, so don't do so much. And so there's, there's a, there's a playfulness that I, I feel is important. You know, we can get into the science and we can, but you know, it can be a little heavy sometimes. And so we don't want to discount the, the diagnosis, but rather it's like, let's just step away from that diagnosis. Let's play just a little bit. Can we just, you know, play together and batting back and forth some ideas and what could be done and okay, so you really want to do a really strict ketogenic diet, but you're not doing certain things like tracking your ketones, or maybe you continue to lose way too much weight. What if we would just back it just a little bit, just for one week, and let's see. So there's like this level of negotiation that, that, that when I was in business that has served me well, that has served me well now, is you know in the negotiation. And it is what I find, Michael, is questioning and understanding and, and you know non-judgment man for sure but there is a balance in what a client wants to do balanced with what clinically for example we see is is what's needed and so that is that is a very ethical and moral responsibility that I take very very mindful about and and because of that I want to ensure that whenever we're partnering with clients that they're they're more informed when they when they leave mm-hmm. than when they first start. Yeah, there's a, there's a duty in that education. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that that's beautiful. I think the way that you said it is is spot on. And I, the back and forth and the dialogue or the negotiation that you have with a patient or a client, it really speaks to your emotional intelligence and your capacity to remember the phrase. People tend to support what they help to create. And so for you, you could just tell the person what to do but their likelihood of acceptance of it is not going to be high. But if there's a meaningful dialogue back and forth, the probability of that individual wanting to implement what was he or she co-created with you, there's a far far higher likelihood that they're going to want to. And I just want to remind everybody listening that, that Dr. Christina Compton has held multiple 
C-suite leadership roles in Fortune 7 to Fortune 100 corporations. And she does partner with international scientists and physicians to figure out ways to bridge the gap between traditionally conventional and very complementary medicine. So what you're hearing from Christina is this, this look at what used to work in business and now trying to figure out some ways to apply some of that same work into the service of uh, her patients and clients. And so I, I, that doesn't fall short of me. Like I think about that quite a bit and how you're able to use those skills and all of the stuff that you had done internationally to help people really thoroughly understand how to understand their own body and their own self. And I was doing a Facebook live last night with a friend and she was asking some questions and, um, the, the, the idea of adverse childhood experiences came up in our dialogue. And for everybody listening, uh, there's a great website called aces2high.com. And it's a very quick look at if you potentially had any traumatic or adverse experiences in your childhood, the likelihood of you experiencing health events later in life were higher. And I just believe that there's a lot to be said for the somatic experience that your body might have. So much so that I have a book by Carol Truman on my uh, desk uh, called Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. And it's a really important look to, to look at how one's emotional experience and journey through life can contribute to what it is that they're experiencing physically. And I love what you said earlier, uh, Christina, with regards to trying to figure out a way to marry the head and the heart in that way, is that we have to take the physical body's experience, but we can't forget the somatic experience. We have to make sure that that's included in our work. Oh, absolutely. And that is so spot on, Michael. So spot on. And may I just give you an example of, of, yes. Yeah. So I've got goosebumps. This is an example of, of what I've done and work that I've done again, remotely. It's pretty amazing of with couples or with families. And I'm, I'm also, by the way, a Kundalini yoga instructor. So I, I weave some of those, those little things uh, and techniques in with clients. And one of the, the techniques, very simple, is you put your hand on your heart and you put your other hand on your partner's heart and vice versa. And then you keep your eyes open and you look at each other. You don't speak and you just breathe. And it is through the breath and through that connection with another person or a community that it starts to soften. And it, it's, it's a very safe yet powerful technique. And you can do it by yourself. I do it by myself. I just, I hold both of my hands over my heart and I just breathe and I just feel. The, the thing about withholding in those traumatic experiences from our past is not to get caught up in maybe analyzing what it is or why it happened, just to see it, bless it, and move on. Let it mm -hmm. come. Hey, thank you for letting me share that. <laughs> you, I, I believe that's beautiful. It, I was with a client this morning and some really significant experiences that occurred uh, either to or for him, depending on your frame of mind when he was young, uh, have certainly still shaped him today. And some of the things he is willing or unwilling to do today are directly as a result of the emotional response he has to the things that happened in his childhood. And so part of my work is to, if he's willing to go down that path and confront some of those things, 
he could probably uh, get to some of the goals that he and I have set for him uh, faster. So choice. And I was at a men's retreat about uh, nine months ago or so. And one of the things that the, the retreat leader who uh, was brilliant at this stuff uh, is he would ask us to pair up with a, another gentleman at the retreat. And we didn't necessarily put our hands on the other uh, gentleman's heart, but we grabbed uh, one another's forearms. And so there was like a current that was running through both bodies simultaneously because each of our hands were on the other person's forearms, right? So there's a, a union that exists there. And we were asked to stare into the other gentleman's eyes and say, without saying anything else, we were asked to say, I see you and I want to be seen. It is such a simple phrase and it is such a, a simple statement. But to your point, Christina, is like, we're now exchanging energy, whether it's heart to heart, right? If it's a romantic partner, or in my case, it was a, a platonic uh, male to male exchange. It was so powerful because everything around us completely just shut off. And we were able to really thoroughly have that experience with that individual in the moment. And I will never forget it. Like it was that powerful. And I still remember each of those guys and each of their names and the faces that they made at that moment in time, because it was something that our society doesn't openly do. Wow. 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 <laughs> that, is, that is so brilliant. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, I, I, I have to share this with you. I'm, I'm inspired to share this with you. And it's not with, I'm not sure many people, but nonetheless, um, because we work virtually and you think about that current that you were just talking about, Michael. So I'm always asking myself, what kind of connection can I make with a person virtually that they, they know the intention, that they can feel that current? One of the techniques that I use is I envision as if we're walking into a sweat lodge, a Native American sweat lodge, and there's, there's, a, there's a smudging that goes on before walking into the lodge. And that is symbolic of letting go of ego and just being transparent and naked in the sweat lodge. And so I envision that in my work environment and when I'm, you know, working with, with clients virtually. And it's in those, it's in that sacredness in which mm -hmm. people can be seen. Yeah. And you've created the environment in which it happens. So I love that, that visualization because it's a, it's a very easy metaphoric thing for our listeners to understand and to see is that when you remove your ego from interactions with another person, you're really just showing up as a soul who wants to honor the other soul and his or her journey through life on earth, which uh, some of them can be pretty gnarly and really just honoring where that person is in his or her journey is probably one of the most uh, beautiful things we could do for one another. So you also, Christina, have a, a monthly education series and things that you do to help your patients and clients and even the community in some way. Um, are there specific topics that you've found in this series that really resonate with people? Or are there some topics maybe that you have coming up that we could interest the listeners with? Well, yeah, there's, well, there, there's so many things available to people right now. And so in, in contemplating what kind of education, you know, what, what, what is going to speak most to people? And so what I focus in on is what can we 
What, what are everyday people doing to enrich their lives or the lives of others around them? In other words, my mission <laughs> with Soelo and education is to, is to source those everyday people that are doing extraordinary things. And so, so, for example, just recently, this past weekend, I was downtown Phoenix at the farmer's market. And one of my favorite local farmers um, has a kraut stand. Now, I'm delighted to see her for the first time ever. I've been buying her kraut and some of her other products, and I love it. And I finally meet the creator and the owner of this business. And so we're talking, and she's... I'm asking her story or asking her about her crowd and now it came. Well, as she's sharing her story, I find out what her secret motivator was or is. And it happened to be at a life event, a key event that triggered her crowd business where one of her dear friends um, had, had a diagnosis of cancer and her friend encouraged her to, to, you know, go out and create a better, healthy world for others moving forward. And so this, this woman, and I had no idea. I, I, I had no idea. And I'm just standing there and I'm just, we're kind of both kind of tearing up and, and I'm just so incredibly touched by, by what she's sharing with me in the middle of the farmer's market and produce and section and stuff. Anyway, she then goes on to tell me that she's written a children's book. I'm like, you've written a children's book on top of this. So she went out to her, her truck and she brought it back and I'm looking at it. And I said, this looks like it's actually for adults. And she said, it is. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you know, it's like, okay, so now here's a book written for adults, but it's, it's so an adult will read it to their child or the grandchild. And so those are the types of, of things, Michael, that I like to source for our clients is what are those, what are those, what are those, those people, those things that our clients can connect with that can not only connect with Michael, but actually take the learning and make it actionable in their lives? Which is the, the critical piece, right? I'm a big fan of that, Christina, because obviously through traditional education uh, in Western countries, there's a lot of theory that's described and taught and reinforced through rote memorization but there oftentimes isn't the education around execution and implementation and action. And that really only happens through people being willing to make mistakes and be vulnerable and to try and to do things they wouldn't normally do. And that's, I think, where the real learning and power is. And as you were uh, giving the example at the farmer's market, it made me think of uh, Dr. Shafali Sabari, who is bringing a lot of Eastern parenting methodologies uh, westward to teach parents that their role is not to parent the child. The role is actually to allow the child to teach the parent something about his or her life. And and it's just a very interesting uh, methodology to Americans, although in other countries it's been practiced for millennia. And But it's just like finally we're getting to a point where we can look at the world through these lenses and to highlight the ordinary people like the Michael Sievers and the Christina Comptons and the Shafali Tsabaris of the world who are now coming together to find a way to help other ordinary people share their works, right? So whether it's a children's book or whatever it is. And so once we create this 
group of people who are really willing to go out there and and share their story and to think about the events that that triggered them to find that awareness of their life's calling. I think that that's where the real power is. And as I was you know, talking with you over lunch a few weeks back, Christina, I mean, that's really my work is to help people look at their communication preferences and their motivators and their values and their accomplishments and uh, a set of answers to some Q&A that I do with them. And through all of that data, we can find the patterns. And it's in those patterns that a person can then start to find deep meaning in their world. And I use the phrase, be the person you needed when you were younger a lot, because I just believe that the things that we lacked when we were in our younger formative years are the very things that we then learn how to develop and have for ourselves, but that the highest and best use of our life is actually to help other people overcome the exact same challenge that we had when we were younger. And so there are patterns in this process. And I, I believe that what you're doing is really important because it really brings us back to every single person on this planet can do extraordinary things if they take the time to listen to their own body, make time for meditation, going to a yoga class, whatever that might be, having those bio-individualized plans created by you and your team, Christina. There's so many little things that we can be doing. And I think it's up to folks like you or me to help raise the level of consciousness because a rising tide does lift all boats and we can figure out a way to get people doing those really extraordinary things more often. And that, I think that's mm, the world I want to live in. Yes. So maybe yes. you agree with that in some way. I do. <laughs> in many ways. In many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things that I was thinking about before, uh, and I'll just ask you a couple more questions, uh, Christina, while we wrap up here, is one of the things I think that you offer in one of the, the service lines that you have is consultations with a family support advocate. And I'm just a really big fan of having people around me that are way smarter than me in a specific, you know, subject matter expert expertise area. So from I've had multiple executive coaches of my own in the last couple of years. Uh, I have a couple of energy healers that I see really recurrently um, because of some changes at the end of last year for me personally, uh, a therapist that I was seeing to help me through some things. So I have no problem talking about my journey and the people that I go to to make sure that I'm looking at life's really big challenges in a very balanced way. And so I can imagine that there's a lot of value through a family support advocate and what they can do for an individual as he or she is going through change and doing things that he or she might have not done before. Is that true? It is true. And it, it actually, what I, what I found, Michael, is it depends on the spectrum of where a person is. So, you know, as you, you know, as you obviously know, is that, Whenever there is a, a, a diagnosis, you know, especially a very serious diagnosis, that the, the family members are oftentimes completely ignored. And, you know, it, it's always struck me as odd because this is a, it, it's a team approach and it, it, we're an extension of one another. And so oftentimes families or even others close to, to our clients are sometimes um, they're at a loss of what to do. They may not understand the diagnosis. They don't even know what questions to ask. They don't want to ask the questions because they don't want to create fear for the loved one or they don't want to look confused um, in front of their loved one because they want their loved one to think that they're, you know, the superhero. There are so many dynamics. And I'm not a therapist and I certainly am aware of, of, of my boundaries on that, but, I, but that's what I do observe. 
And so the, that's why it is an important component of, of working with, with our clients on that. Um, for example, I have a I'm thinking of one gentleman and he told me in the most raw and authentic way, Michael, he was telling me that none of his military training and special ops or the, the building of his very successful business, none of that was able to help him in handling his wife's diagnosis. And I mean, the, the level of authenticity that I watched this gentleman go to and, and the core of, of where he was, I mean, it shook him to the, the, the diagnosis of his wife shook him to his core, not only, you know, his wife as well. But, but what I watched, and you, you may see this as well, is, you know, it, it creates a dialogue of very deep introspection and questioning. You know, I, I hear questioning of, of self-worth and of, of value. And, you know, I've seen, you know, guilt seep in when someone's thinking, I'm not doing enough. I could be doing more. I, I should have stayed there longer. If I was only smarter, it's just on and on. Um, the judgment that we can, you know, the family members sometimes can put on themselves. Yeah. So, it, it, so I'm, I'm really grateful that Soelo Health offers that um, as part of your service because it really is something that we don't do enough in society. I think decades ago it was something that's probably a little bit more commonplace, but with so many changes in society, with the the advent of social media and a very ego-driven approach to what we share on social media, to uh, the divorce rate in Western countries being very, very high, right? There's this move towards uh, people uh, maybe being just a little bit egotistical or a little bit self-focused or what is it that they're getting out of something that in reality, the real happiness comes from the depth of those close-knit relationships and recognizing that the the trip that we have on earth is it's, it's challenging, right? It's wrought with its challenges. And the way that we get through those challenges is through vulnerability, but also through things like a family support advocate to help ourselves and others through those challenging scenarios and environments. And I just want to encourage everybody to be really open to those things. Cause I've obviously met a handful of folks that are not open to them and they end up suffering worse consequences later down the road as a result of that. And so it'd be a heck of a lot simpler for us to just be open to those types of conversations and to those relationships uh, because there are so many blessings and literally limitless possibility that could come from those conversations. It's just being open enough to the dialogue to help ourselves and our loved ones through change. We got a very good friend who uh, doesn't always see eye to eye with with her daughter. And uh, she always says, uh, we're aligned heart to heart, even if we don't see eye to eye. And I, I think what you just said, that beautiful example you just gave, Christina, was very similar to that phrase because it is so powerful that we can learn uh, from our children's journeys. And in your example, uh, the, the encouragement that was coming from the daughter was very much to help the mother kind of expel some of those old energies and some of those old emotions. And if they did choose to come together to kind of figure that out, I can only imagine not only what negative emotions and energies they would shed, but how their relationship would grow more robust as a result. See, life is actually really simple, isn't it, Christina? Like if we could just convince people that it's far more grand um, than it ever, uh, than we perceive it to be. There's a, 
uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. I don't know his website off the top of my head, but I listen to him quite a bit through YouTube stuff. And he likes to talk about that, that earth is actually heaven. And he, the way that he positions it and the way that he talks about it and how, you know, we, we come to earth and that we actually get to do really, really cool things here and experience life in a very meaningful way. I just think it's important for people to remember that is that it, earth is really what you make of it. Either it can be a heaven or it can be a hell and make that choice for yourself. And so through some of the things that Dr. Christina has been talking about with regards to bio-individualized plans and doing the right thing for your body or figuring out a way to do the right thing for your somatic body, there are so many things that can be done. But if done well, you can lead a very beautiful life. So in, in wrapping up, um, Christina, when you think about uh, any final thoughts or ideas or maybe a piece of advice that you would like to offer uh, our listeners today, are there any things that pop into your mind about, you know, in order for a person to really get to a point of very, very deep health for mm -hmm. themselves and wellness for themselves? Excellent. Like, what's that piece of advice that yeah. you would like to offer? I, I, I must, I, if, if I can share just one story that comes to mind is it was a little bit of a twist on the family support because it had to do with um, one of one of our clients' daughter, teenage daughters. And so I'm, I'm talking with the client, and she's telling me she has a teenage daughter that keeps wanting her to write her story. Now, I didn't know that this client is a well well-written, you know, she, she has done a lot of writing in her history. And I said, so what are you resisting? And she said, oh, I just don't want to do it. And when I'm talking, I'm like, all right, there could be a cultural thing because she's outside the United States. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out where her resistance is coming from. Well, she finally tells me that, which is amazing to me, is she finally told me that she is concerned that if she shares her story and writes her story, that she's admitting defeat to her diagnosis. Wow. I mean... For me, that's pretty incredible insight. Um, and so we, we started, we talked some more and I said, well, what's going on with your daughter? And then she said, well, my daughter is a teenager. She's having all these stressors. I mean, I can't imagine the peer pressure. Right. And so I said, well, is it possible? Like, so what I, I did is I, <laughs> I drew two hearts that were intersected on a piece of paper and I wrote her name on one heart, I wrote her daughter's name on the other heart, and then I squiggled in where they're intersected. And I said, possibly, this is where two hearts, the intersection of the feminine heart, the journey between the mother and the daughter. And maybe it's an opportunity where together you're writing your stories, and it is through the writing of your stories together that the sacred feminine foundation starts being built and you're starting to pass on the wisdom from one generation to the next. I hope that everybody heard what Dr. Christina just said with regards to um, many of the answers to your prayers or uh, the things that you've been searching for or uh, the stillness that comes from being uh, quiet and the things that we learn about ourselves and our journey. I really hope that you internalize what she just said. And I love that quote, Christina, you know, the, 
we're, we're ill because we're never still. And I think that by being still, a lot of our answers come to us. And I think that that's probably where we find our confidence and our power and our capacity to move forward through sometimes challenging circumstances. So I want to thank you for sharing that. And so I can confirm that that specific website is actually really, really informative. So I've gone through it. I've even given a couple of examples uh, yet in our, our, in our hour or so together. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed it. So for just more about Dr. Christina Compton and the work that she's doing, go to SoelloHealth.com. Uh, there's obviously great information on the services page, but also on the frequently asked questions page. I went through it and a lot of really, really helpful things there. So Dr. Christina Compton is a naturopathic medical doctor. She's the founder and CEO of Sowello Health. And in the last you know hour and some change, we've obviously been able to share lots of different things about ways that you can better your health and your wellness in a very holistic way. And so, uh, Christine, I want to thank you so much for, for your time, uh, but also for the journey that you've walked through life and the things that you've learned and the people that you've uh, bettered and the work that you're going to do moving forward to help people transition from uh, traditional healthcare into 21st century healthcare. So thank you for oh, that. Oh, it is it's my honor. And, and thank you for this opportunity. You are very welcome. And for Everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in today. Another tremendous episode of Equal Chance to Be Unequal. Uh, for more about Dr. Christina Compton, please visit SoelloHealth.com. And with that, I'll bid you adieu. Go forth and be awesome. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and like, share, or comment on this podcast on MichaelSSieber.com, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube. Go forth and be awesome.